and narrow. And I made many mentions about the broad path, but while focusing more on the straight and narrow path that, that leads to heaven, we obviously uh, touched and, and went on the fact that the broad path uh, leads to hell. And that is a subject that oftentimes likes to just kind of get overlooked or bypassed, and uh, it, it's not a popular uh, subject, obviously, uh, but it is a warning, it is a reality, and this evening I do want to bring uh, attention to that reality this evening uh, in a message I've simply entitled, The Biblical Reality of Hell. Because the Bible is our final authority on everything, uh, many will say, and it is pretty darn amazing, but even some who bear the name a Christian uh, really uh, uh, downplay uh, hell or uh, dismiss the reality of it altogether and um, or make it sound like it's almost impossible to end up there, whatnot, but uh, we'll put all man's opinions and ideas aside and, as always, just go right to the Word of God and let's see what the Bible says. Let's see what Jesus says. Uh, Luke chapter 16, 19 uh, through 31, I want to read this a historical account. Let me preface it that way. Because many have referred to Luke 16, 19, 31 as the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. Uh, let me um, explain to you this evening that this is not a parable. This is a record, this is something Jesus is sharing with us. And shared uh, with the people in that community, there's speculation why he used Lazarus's name, but omitted the rich man's name. And some believe that it was just simply uh, out of respect, in a way, because everyone knew who he was talking to. Uh, not that Jesus is afraid to just straight out, you know, tell us, you know, point blank the reality of things. But nonetheless. This is not a parable. This is something Jesus is explaining to us that really went down and it happened. And he's uh, sharing this with us uh, and with the, his first uh, hearers that, uh, for the purpose of explaining hell is real. So he says there was a certain man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abram's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And being in torments in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham off and Lazarus in his bosom. Now, first of all, this just blows a big old gigantic hole right into the ship of the false doctrine uh, that the Jehovah Witnesses, um, um, you know, uh, 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 teach. 
that um, the idea of soul sleeping, that when you go into the grave, your soul just goes to sleep and yada, 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 yada. Uh, or it also blows a hole into the false uh, doctrine uh, that the uh, Catholicism teaches about purgatory. Okay? Both of those ships, those false doctrine ships, are sunk uh, with this account right here. Because either Lazarus went straight to heaven, as Jesus says he did, or, and the rich man went straight to hell, as Jesus said he did, or the Jehovah Witnesses and the Catholics are right and Jesus is wrong. I'm going with Jesus. All right. So, verse 24. Then he cried and he said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, and likewise Lazarus his evil things, but now he is comforted and you are tormented okay now for those that are in the christian world whether protestant catholic whatever who promote the idea that it is evil to have wealth and it is spiritual to be poor and they try to use this text to promote that, that is, that is more false doctrine. It is not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is not saying that Lazarus is going to hell because he, was, he didn't have nothing and he suffered in this life and he had, he had sores and he had you know, leprosy and, and he had to beg to eat. And so therefore he deserves to go to heaven. And the rich man, he lived fat and sumptuously. And so therefore he had all the good things. So he deserves to go to hell. You know, that, that, that's not gospel, that's socialism. <laughs> that's communism or something. I don't know what that, but I didn't know. That is, no, 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 no. You go to heaven because you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, you might be poor and, 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 and die of some illness, okay, and that doesn't automatically mean you're cursed, okay? There, there, there's Christians who think that, oh, he, you know, and there's even uh, folks in Jesus' day, and he confronts that, that erroneous uh, way of thinking. Oh, someone's sick, someone's ill. Oh, they must have been disobedient to God, and he, God must be judging them. They, as if, they were, if they were really righteous and they are really holy, they wouldn't be sick. No, 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 can't biblically support that. And there was those in Jesus' day, and even those in this day too, that if you are uh, uh, fat, plump, and, and wealthy, and, and, and got all kinds of money and material things, that that's a sign that automatically God's blessing and favor is on your life, and you're sure to make heaven your home. Well, <laughs> that's part of the reason why he's sharing this. Because he's blowing holes in their, men, their mentalities and their ways of thinking. Because they, they, they thought that way. Okay, so, Listen. Tonight, there are people who suffered, man, and way you, you just think in your overall comfortable American lifestyle, you just think you've had bad days. You just think you've gone through rough times. 
There are people, I tell you right now, that are in heaven that uh, they lived, they were born in abject poverty, they were raised in that, they, they know what it is to go uh, through horrible, horrible trials that you, you would never know anything about. Uh, but you know what? They got their heart right with God, and they kept their heart right with God, and they're walking on streets of gold today. And, and there are people in the, that are in heaven today that, that when they were on earth, they, they, they lived well. They, they had lots of money, they had lots of wealth, but they prioritized. They didn't live for, they lived for God. They had, they're in heaven today. Rich people, poor people, and all types of people in between uh, are in heaven today. Rich people and poor people and all types of people today will end up in heaven today. And rich people and poor people and all points of people in between will, are in hell today and more will end up in hell. Uh, it's just nothing to do the issue is the heart and, and what you're living for. And there are people that are poor and they're bitter and they're full of bitterness and they hate everybody that has things that they don't have and they covet and they hate. And then there's, there's, there's rich people that sneer down, look down at the end of their nose at people that have less and, and, you know, and have no compassion and no, and, you know, and they live for their money and they live for themselves. And, you know, it's, it's the heart. So the issue is the heart and what we live for, and uh, it doesn't matter, rich, poor, whatever. So this is very important uh, to, uh, to understand, and all of Scripture is to be balanced by all of Scripture, and when you put the whole Bible story together, you get the true picture. You take little isolated uh, verses of Scripture out of uh, certain segments of the Bible and take it out of context and make it say whatever you want. Uh, well, um, Peter has some things to say about that, and that is that uh, there will be those who take the, the Scriptures and they twist and bend them to their own destruction. And God says if you add to his word or you subtract to his word, you make it say something different than what he intended, you're in big trouble. So, again, we let the Bible speak for itself. Verse 26, and besides all this between us and you, there is a great gulf affixed. So the rich man is in hell. And, uh, well, in actual, this, he is referring back. Jesus has not died on the cross yet. He has not gone into Sheol and led captivity captive. I did a Bible study on this before. In the Old Testament, uh, it was Sheol, and there was two different compartments, and you had the lower part, and you had the upper part, and the upper part was the part that was referred to as Abraham's bosom, and so evidently we see that they're able to see uh, from the lower part to the upper part, and from the upper part to the lower part, and uh, but all that changed uh, from the Old Testament to the New Testament when we went from uh, a Sheol to uh, uh, heaven and hell, and so um, we'll spend more time on that another time. Again, I've done Sunday schools on that before. We'll look at that another time. But he says here, there is a great gulf fixed so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, 
nor can those from there pass to us. Then he said, I beg you therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers that they may testify to them that they also come to this place of torment. Abraham said to him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to him, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead. I mean, this is an account. This is conversations going on. This is not a parable. This is fair warning. And so we need to consider and we need to have a healthy respect this evening about the reality of hell. It's very solid doctrine uh, in the Bible. It's not easy to misinterpret. Uh, there, there are certain doctrines it takes some time to study and, and to really get the revelation and the understanding and the full scope of everything that God is trying to say. And uh, there's uh, you know, room for some, a little bit of dialogue uh, you know, when it comes to certain uh, uh, doctrines and prophecies and things like that. But when we talk about hell, it's not hard to interpret uh, it's hard to misinterpret. I mean, you have to like really just not want to see it. I mean, because it's one thing in the Bible uh, that, uh, and there's several things in the Bible that are very clear, but this is one of them. The Bible is very clear. Hell is real. Uh, the Greek word for uh, Hades is um, defined this way: the place of departed souls. How how difficult is is that? Uh, to interpret the eternal regions, a dark and dismal place, the abode of the wicked. That's not hard to understand. Uh, the Hebrew, uh, Hebrew uh, word for Sheol, again, which again that changed when uh, Christ died on the cross in those three days that he was in the grave. He went in, he led captivity uh, captive, and he defeated uh, hell, and that all changed. Uh, even uh, David, he, he prayed and he said, Surely you will not leave my soul uh, in, in Sheol. And so even though there was a separation and you had an upper and a lower uh, uh, compartment, it wasn't ideal because I don't think it is really very pleasant uh, for them to see across the gulf uh, to, to one another. And so, again, that all changed uh, with heaven. Very, uh, it's a very interesting uh, uh, study uh, to study out. But Sheol is defined this way, including its accessories and inmates, uh, grave, hell, pit, uh, place of no return, place of punishment. Okay, so Luke sixteen twenty three, and being in torments in Hades, which is hell, he lifted up his eyes and he saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom, or Hades, the lower part of uh, Sheol. Very unpleasant imagery here. Jesus spoke a parable uh, about, uh, uh, about hell in Matthew 13, 47 through 50. Now, this, this is a parable. This isn't a story or an account, historical account. This is a parable to help you get the point. 
And uh, he says in Matthew 13, 47 through 50, the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet that was cast into the sea and gathered some of every kind. If you don't know what a dragnet is, these are these gigantic large nets that they throw out behind a ship and then they just drag it across um, the floor of the lake or the ocean and just scoop up whatever they scoop up and then bring it up and then sort it out. Okay, throw back what's not needed, throw away what's trash, keep what is good. And so he says the kingdom of heaven is like that. It's like a dragnet. God cast out the net and and, uh, our uh, fellowship has been, uh, you know, uh, spoken about in, in, in that regard. God has spread out our fellowship across the globe. It's like a big dragnet. Uh, you know, to catch all these souls and, and see what can be saved. Verse 48, which when it was full, they drew to shore. They sat down and gathered the good into the vessels, but threw the bad away. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come forth, separate the wicked from among the just, and cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of, of teeth. Jesus gives us a very clear word uh, picture or pictures. Matthew 23 through 33, he tells the, um, speaking to the religious elite there of the time, uh, a good amount of them anyhow, he says, serpents, brood of vipers, how can you escape the condemnation of hell? How can you? It's a, it's a, a rhetorical a question and because uh, he, he knows the answer, uh, but um, he is calling them out, your attitude, your heart. I don't care what you look like outwardly. I don't care how religious, committed you seem, whatever. He says on the inside, you've got heart issues, and uh, there's no way you're going to escape hell in your current spiritual condition. These are men who go to church. These are men who tithe. These are men who do a lot of right things, but their heart is not in the right place. And he is saying, how are you going to escape hell? That is a hard reality. And he warns that there will be great anguish and pain, Mark 9, 43 through 48, If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter into life maimed rather than to have two hands and go to hell. Into the fire that shall never be quenched where the worm, that's the uh, referring to a maggot, it does not die. And the fire is not quenched. The worm, it, it, it eats dead things. The spiritual dead go to hell. Part of the torment evidently is going to be that souls that end up in hell are going to be being consumed by worms. But the worms are never going to die because the body is going to remain in a continuous, some type of state of death, but yet just alive enough to feel agony and torment and I, I just can't think of anything more more hideous and more more miserable than how hell is described in Scripture. So Jesus uses extremities, and he's not actually encouraging self mutilation. He's just using uh, analogy. He's using um, 
hyperboles. He's using, uh, you know, uh, examples, extreme uh, examples. It would be better. I mean, if if it came down to that and you had to cut your hand off to keep yourself from sinning, well, not that he would actually want you to do that. It's, it's missed the point if you think that's what he really means to do. But he's saying it would be much, if that's what it takes to keep you from going to hell, he's just trying to use that to emphasize how bad hell is. You want to do anything you can to not go there. So verse 45, if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better for you to enter life maimed rather than having two feet and be cast into hell, into fire that shall never be quenched. He's like, do you understand this? There is a fire there. It never goes out, and you're in it. And the, where the worm never dies, and the fire is not quenched. Verse 47, and if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. It's better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into hell where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. You know, when he starts repeating things like that, the worm doesn't die, the fire is not quenched. It's like, okay, you said that. He said it again. He said it again. It's like, Peter, three times, you love me? Okay, three, when he says something three times, man, you really better listen. So again, not suggesting self-mutilation, but what he is getting at is cut the sin off. Cut the sin out. Get the sin out of your life. Fair warning. You know, sometimes painful self-discipline is needed for being a true follower of Christ. I've, I've had, I've, sometimes, it, I mean, I have to be patient and understanding as, as, as a pastor but but sometimes you know it's it's hard on my side you know because it's it's frustrating you know sometimes when you're dealing with somebody and they're saying and they're they're involved in some kind of bad sin you know and, and you say look man it's going to destroy your mind it's going to destroy your life it's going to destroy your family it's going to destroy your soul you're going to end up in hell you, know, you cut this off man you know i know pastor but it, it hurts man it's hard you know and it's hard i'm like oh my god and I have to be patient with that. And it, I'll be honest with you. It, it's, I'm like, ooh, just cut it off. You're going to go to hell. Cut it off. And, and, and then sometimes they still go away. And I still lose them. And I'm like, man, that's hard. It's so hard. And, and, and you know, and to see someone grappling with something and they've allowed their heart to be given to something that, that has such a hold on them. It's going to drag their soul down to hell. Where the worm doesn't die and the fire is not quenched. And I'm like, I just want to shake them. Wake up! Wake up! It's not worth it. Cut out the bad behavior. Cut out the bad attitude. Cut out the bad habits. Okay, it might be painful. It might feel like you're cutting off your hand, your foot, or plucking out your eye. Maybe it's going to feel like that. 
endure that little short feeling of pain, man, <laughs> and get, get off the path to hell. Escape hell. Because escaping hell is well worth any pain you may ever have to endure to break free from sin in your life. And this is what Jesus is getting at when he says, it's better you cut off your hand, pluck out an eye, cut off your... He's saying, there are analogies, there are examples, emphasize how bad hell is, but also to just say, listen, whatever little pain you think you got to endure, man, The worm does not die, and the fire is not quenched. And it's unquenchable. So Jesus' aim in warning us about hell is that we would establish a reverent fear about eternity. He wants us to avoid hell. There's anybody that doesn't want you or me to go to hell. It's God. It's Jesus. Matthew 10, 28. Jesus says, don't fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Jesus is saying, if somebody is threatening you to kill you and, and, and they want you to renounce your faith or die, he said, man, if it comes down to that, man, just, just, just let them kill you, man. Don't, whatever you do, man, do not fear people that can kill your body. But fear those who's able to destroy both in soul and body in hell. It's hell that you need to fear. It's the eternal death you need to fear. Isaiah 66, 4, So I will choose their delusions and bring their fears on them, because when I called, no one answered. When I spoke, they did not hear, but they did evil before my eyes and chose that in which I do not delight. God says, I tried to reach, they wouldn't listen. I tried to save, they wouldn't be saved. I tried to deal with them, they wouldn't be dealt with. And so... I, I let them have their way. See, that's a side of God we, we, we don't want to know. We want to know about. God is nothing but a God of love. Yeah, but I, I don't know what you mean by that entirely. I believe that he is the very definition of love, the epitome of love, and without God there could be no love. <laughs> I mean, there is no more... I mean, I mean, yes, I mean, God is man, but he's also a God of judgment. He's a God of war. And um, you have to respect that. You have to understand that. And you want to know about that, but it's not the way I want to know him. I don't want to know God as my judge. I want to know him as my savior. I want to know him as my father. I want to know him as my family. I want, <laughs> are you with me tonight? But some folks are not ever going to know the Heavenly Father as their Father. They're never going to know Jesus as, 
as family, as, his, as their savior. There is nothing sadder than that. There really is nothing sadder than that. That there are people that are going to go into eternity and they never knew Jesus as their Savior. They never had a personal relationship with Him. They never knew the Father as their Heavenly Father. And they're going to stand before God and He's going to say, Depart from me, I never knew you. That's horrifying. Consider these other verses I want to share with you tonight as we ponder the biblical reality of hell. 2 Peter 2.4 If God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment, what makes you think he will give you or I a pass? If he didn't spare these angels. So it's not the way you want to know God. But you need to understand there is this side of God. And this is what Jesus says. Don't fear those who can kill the body. But fear the one who can destroy both. But you don't. You, I fear that. I fear God the judge. I don't want to go before the great white throne of judgment. If you go before the great white throne of judgment, you're done. Numbers 16.30 talking about Korah. If the Lord creates a new thing and the earth opens its mouth and swallows them up with all that belongs to them and they go down alive into the pit, then you will understand that these men have rejected the Lord. God put his hand on Moses said, this is my man. I'm using him. Listen to him. And, um, you know, and they got these other guys that are like, wait a minute. You know what? I don't trust this whole thing. And I don't believe, I don't know about Moses and these Levi. Wait a minute. You know what? I think we can do our own thing. We hear from God too. And they're causing confusion. They're causing division in the camp amongst God's people. And, and so um, God, Moses has a talk with God about it. And God talks to Moses. Well, listen, man. It just, just go out the next day and, and have Korah stand over here and just tell everybody, hey, if you want to side with Korah, go ahead. I mean, God's upset, but he's very calm and he's very in control. Why would God do something so extreme? Well, just think about it. What all happened before Numbers 16? I mean, okay, he used Moses to go into Egypt, confront Pharaoh, bring about all these miracles, bring them out. And now we're going to, I wonder if we're, you know, Moses really hears from God. What are you talking about? Led you through the, led you out of Egypt, led you through the Red Sea. What are, okay, is that where you're at? You know, when, when people, listen, I tell you, man, when, when, when people just don't want to be right, they'll find any kind of reason in the world. And, and you can't reason with them. And so sometimes it just gets to a point where people push the envelope. God has no choice but just to judge. And, and Jude 1.7 talks about Sodom and Gomorrah. You know, the envelope was obviously pushed to the limit there. Pushing God's grace to the limit. Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them in a similar manner to these 
having given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after strange flesh, are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. So here scripture is saying to anyone who says, I don't believe that a God of love would destroy anybody by fire. Then um, the Bible says, just consider, not a parable, the historical account of Sodom and Gomorrah. Which in real lifetime on earth was destroyed by fire. It was, as the scripture says, to set an example. Matthew 25, 41, then he will also say to those on the left hand, depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Now that's sad. We have some clarification here that hell was not prepared God did not create hell. I said, well, all right, I'm going to have this human race here, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to create a hell. So uh, whichever souls are disobedient and and bad, I'm going to send them to hell. No, he prepared hell for Satan and the angels that rebelled in heaven. That's what it's prepared for. Not prepared for you. but But what else is there to do with those who reject God, reject his word, with their attitude and with their heart, they show in the same uh, uh, spirit as, as Lucifer. And this is why there's only, there's only two destinations. It's either the destination where the angels who kept their heart right and are stayed with God and are still with God, or the destination where those angels that rebelled and sided with Lucifer went. And this is, Jesus makes it very clear, is prepared for them. So let's talk about the intended inhabitants of, of hell. Because it's not you and I. God did not intend for you and I or any other human soul to go to hell. Because it was not meant for man. God desires a destiny of blessing for every human soul. And that is a fact. 2 Peter 3, 9, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some count slackness, but His long-suffering has lots of putting up witness towards us, not willing that any should perish. That means not any should be destroyed in hell, but that all should come to repentance. There is God's glorious aim for our lives that we would come to repentance and be saved and escape hell's judgment. 1 Corinthians 2.9 But as it is written, eye is not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. (laughs) What God has prepared for those who love him, that's what God has prepared for human souls. A place of great blessing that is beyond human description. He prepared that for us. He prepared hell for sin. And so souls that are in hell, the only thing that can be asked of is, what are you doing there? 
What was it in, in your earthly life that, was, that meant so much to you that it was worth coming here for? Really? 24-7? Burning in fire? Eaten by worms? Tormented by demons? What, what was it? Was it booze? Was it sex? Was it money? What, what was it that was so wonderful and so special and meant so much that you're here? I mean, if you could interview someone from hell, which is po- impossible. You couldn't even ask them that. It would, just, it would just be further torment to their mind and their soul because they're asking them, they're asking their own selves that, no doubt, every day. He says there's wailing and gnashing of teeth. That means <laughs> they're crunching their teeth. There's so much pain and agony and anguish. That was worth pornography. The Holy Spirit dealt with you about that pornography. Why didn't you just repent? Really? There's no pornography in hell. There's no sensual pleasure at all. Just sensual torment. Hell was created for Satan and his followers, the rebel angels. Matthew 25, 41, he will say to those on his left hand, depart from me, you cursed into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Jude 6, and the angels who did not keep their proper domain but left their abode, he has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day. Hell is a reaping, a reaping of a chosen lifestyle. We choose. Galatians 6, 7, and 8. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to the flesh will of his flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Evangelizing the great message of hope, the gospel of Jesus Christ, is all about getting souls to change their mind from being on the broad path to hell to getting on the straight, narrow path that leads to heaven. Please do take the time to care for your own soul. Do not take your salvation for granted. And do not take the reality of hell lightly. Keep yourself on the straight and narrow path. Keep yourself focused. Keep yourself... There is nothing in this life worth going to hell over. 
And by all means, do everything in your power to keep other souls from ending up there. That is our job and our mission as the church of Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe should not perish but have everlasting life. And God is not willing that any should perish. And the next time someone asks you if God is such a God of love, where is that love? You tell them, right here, me, standing right in front of you, telling you the good news that Jesus Christ died for your sins. You can repent and be born again. Have your name written in the Lamb's book of life and make heaven your home. That's where God's love is. It's right here, right now. Will you embrace it? Will you be saved? Will you escape hell? Enough with the nonsense. Hell is real. Will you be saved? That's God's love. Right now, right here. Don't talk to me about other people. Talking to you about you, your soul. Where will you spend eternity? If you die tonight, Would you go straight to heaven? Or would you end up in a devil's hell? Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. No one is looking around for just a moment. With these heads bowed and eyes closed...